Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Just left out a verse. This is part 3, but it'll be different, so the parts can really be listened to separately. But this is part 3 of small things in the hands of a big God. Small things in the hands of a big God. Zechariah chapter 4, please. Verse 10. Just one line again. The Lord asks the question. For who hath despised the day of small things? For who hath despised the day of small things? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that you come to us in different ways. But it's all you. Even the gentleness, the stillness of your spirit this morning, we thank you. Father, we trust that all in here have entered in to that place where you've called us to. And that we've fellowship with you this morning. And not just with one another. So Lord, this morning, take your word and encourage us. Instruct us and lead us, guide us. Deal with us as you see fit. We ask you, Lord, that your word would have free course in our hearts and in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For who hath despised the day of small things, the Lord asks. And we give you a brief outline of why the Lord asked that when the walls and the gates of Jerusalem were tumbled down and the gates were burned. And the enemy were saying, no one could build from this rubble. And if you look at the people, no one could build from the rubble. In other words, they seemed insignificant because the word despise is the word booze. It means to hold in contempt, to hold as insignificant. And they held God's people in contempt and they held them as insignificant. Sure, who are they? In fact, Tobiah and Sanballat, when they come along, they even cry out, even if a fox runs up against that wall, it'll crumble and it'll fall down and tumble. And you know, some people in their lives feel like that. And our lives have come from different backgrounds. Some of us have had a more manifest sin in our life. Some of our lives have been shadier and more colourful than others. Some of us have been spared and saved the, the ravishes of the world and the things of the world and what it brings to us. And growing up in a, a nice home, a good home, or even a Christian background home. And some haven't. Some have grew up in a horrific lifestyle. And sometimes that carries on in their adult life. Things that have happened to them when they're younger. Now, people might look at you or you might feel, well, am I like the rubble? And how could God ever build anything with me or use me? Or what would God want with someone like me? And you know, the thing is, ours is not the reason or to question why. When God sets his love upon you, 
then you'll know when you come to Christ and when you are in Christ, you'll know that he has set his love upon you. And he set his love upon you from before the foundation of the world had a plan and had a purpose for you, has a reason for your life, has a ministry in the body of Christ for you. That's for everyone. No matter who you think you are or who you think you're not. God has a plan for you. And people may despise it, may despise you. You may feel despised or held in contempt. But God does not look at you nor think of you like that. Now we've looked at much of this. And you can get parts one and two if you want. And maybe help you a little to explain a little more what I mean by that. But even if a fox ran up against the wall, they said it would knock it down. Lord, what's the use in me trying? What's the use in me staying faithful? What's the use in me trusting? What's the use in me going on in this Christian walk? What's the use in me praying? What's the use in me um, praying for the sick? What's the use when all aren't saved and all aren't healed? So do we stop praying for the sick because all aren't healed and we want them all healed? We believe them all to be healed. We keep praying. Keep trusting God. Do we stop preaching the gospel because all aren't saved? We just keep preaching. We keep reaching out. We keep witnessing for the Lord and for the salvation of souls. So ours is not even the reason or to even question or murmur against the Lord. But ours is to say, Lord, I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to trust you. No matter how weak, no matter how frail, no matter how contemptible I think I am. No matter how despised the work is, or I am, or others, I'm going on with you. I'm going on in your grace, and I'm going on trusting in you. Remember we looked at how David said in Psalm 18 and verse 35, Thy gentleness has made me great. This isn't to boast in arrogance. And this isn't to take things flippantly or take God for granted. By no means, really, the word Gentleness here, it means that God in his meekness, his humility and his condescension to man has made man great. In other words, in our depraved and in our despised human nature. Many men don't despise their nature as a human falling being from Adam. But our natures are depraved. In other words, we are unable to save ourselves And when we couldn't go to where he was, he came to us. He knew us, he loved us, died for us. Now let's put it personally for you this morning, Christian believer. He knew you, he loved you. He came and died for you and gave his life for you. He condescended. He became flesh. He hung on a cross. He shed his precious blood. He went to the tomb. He lay in the grave for three days. And he arose again victorious. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Not he loved in past tense and now he doesn't know whether he loves you now or not. He always loves you. His love is an everlasting love. And with loving kindness he draws you this morning. And draws us during our lives with him. And he has come. He took on a body of humility. When he became flesh. He condescended down to our level. That you and I might be saved. So if he loved you then. How much does he love you now? 
course you're loved by him this morning. Notice in Mark 8 we looked at for what shall a profit a man if he's gained the whole world and loses his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul and we looked at how the whole world can't afford you. I want to say it again and you might say little old me, little old you. Even when you were in the rubble and the rabble of the world. Even when you were unworkable and unbuildable. Even when there was doctors and nurses and medical staff and, and counsellors couldn't pick us up. Couldn't help us. Tried their best. And all was lost. Even when we couldn't change our lives through family and friends and so on. Even when we were nothing, had nothing, could be nothing, nor attain to anything. When we were like that, little old you, the rubble of the earth. How could God build a kingdom with people like that? Even when we were like that, he knew you. And he loved you. And he died for you. Your soul is worth more, was worth more, is worth more, and always will be worth more than all that this world can afford. I told you last week, if we were able to take planet Earth and place it in our own hand and hand it for an offering for our soul and our worth unto God, it would be refused. You know why the Lord would say, it's not enough. No matter what you think of yourself, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter what you're going through, you've been through, the lifestyle you come up, if you could take planet earth, place it in your hands, walk to the throne room of God and hand it to the Father and say, I give this for redemption of my soul. The Father would refuse it. All the things that this world contains in the riches. The Father would refuse it because you are worth more. You're worth more than this whole world can afford. That's why it took the marvelous, fantastic work of the Lord Jesus Christ who was God who created the earth who is bigger and greater who spoke the worlds into being God himself the only one who is over the earth and more valuable than the earth itself and the universe it took him to come and redeem our soul that's how precious you are that's why man can't get to heaven enter the kingdom without being saved trusting in Christ man can't do it by works or alms or deeds and we know that he can't do it through denomination or church affiliation you can't do it by going to a, a, a bishop of a whether it's Roman or Anglican or any other church and him blessing you in other words confirming you into the, their, their church denomination that you may take of communion I tell you something. Those people who are trusting in that are as lost as a goose in a storm. But God says their soul is more valuable than all the world. It takes Christ to come. Almighty God Himself came for you. I'm going to say it again. 
Almighty God himself came for you. That's how valuable you are. You're worth more than this world can afford. You know, Joel 3 and 10 proclaims, let the weak say, I am strong. You're weak this morning, maybe weak in body, weak in spirit, weak in faith. Listen, let the weak say, I am strong. Is it because of our own strength? No, it's because of who he is. Because of within you is the same power which raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells within this temple, the lively living stones that are born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who you are this morning. And this is why we need to take on board the Word. Don't let this be just another, let's put it in practice, a sermon, a message that we'll listen, get it over, and we'll get home for our lunch, and there's another Sunday morning over. We've clocked our card, and you know, well, that was a nice time of singing. That's a nice time of praise, and we've gathered around the table, and we'll just go home the same way we came in. Let this be a word from the Lord for you this morning to strengthen your spirit. Let it be a word from God. Every time I go to hear someone else preaching, even if I don't feel like going, and I'll be honest, even if I'm going to hear preachers and I'm not too sure about it, I even like their preaching or what they're saying, I always pray before I go, Lord, you can use that person to speak to me. It's the word of God, not the preacher. You can detest me if you want, but listen to the word. Listen to the word. Let the weak say I'm strong. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, remember Paul seeks the Lord for the thorn in the flesh. And the Lord said, my strength is made perfect. It's perfected in your weakness. And you'll find that at times when you're at your weakest, when you're at your greatest of despair or doubting, you'll find it's in those times where you can't trace, you must trust. When you can't trace, you must trust. That the Lord is always there despite your feelings. The Lord is within you despite what you feel this morning. You might feel a bit flat as it were. Well, we're hoping to pump up your tires today before you go home. Your spiritual tires now. Here's the thing. The Lord says, when you're weak, all the glory goes to me. You won't look for your own glory. You see, when you and I are on the mountaintop and God has answered prayer and things have gone well. You know what happens, don't you? We forget God. We forget him. Or we take glory for ourselves and the glory is fantastic and we, we like a part of it. But you know, everything is of him. Whether we're feeling good or bad or indifferent, it's all of him. He is sovereign over all things. Here's the thing. The Lord says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. You'll find that those weakest times is when God is greatest. You'll find that you'll be like Moses who wist not that the skin of his face shone. And it's at the times when we don't even realize that God is working but we're trusting. You'll see that the Lord receives the glory and the Lord brings all to pass. The Lord is working this morning on your behalf. 
I want you to, I want you to prick your ears up because I feel this is for you this morning. Prick your ears up and listen hard. Listen deep. And don't listen just to a, a man's voice. My voice means nothing. Listen to the word of God this morning. God is already working on your behalf. God is already in your tomorrow. God is already doing all according to his own will, plan and purpose for your life. God is just calling you along. So walk in his path. How do we know? Trust him. Trust him every day. And his strength will be made perfect in your weakness. And you'll find your weakness becomes great strength. Hebrews 11, Faith's Hall of Fame, we mentioned this. When we looked at, if you read Faith's Hall of Fame, you read all the names. That's just the, the it's, a, it's a term what theologians call Hebrews 11. For all those who by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, they all trusted God, yet they were human. They were frail like us. They had feelings. They had fears. They had nervousness, anxieties. They weren't perfect in any sense, for only Christ alone has been perfect. And yet through it all, trusting God was had a plan and a purpose and was already working before them. And when they arrived into their tomorrow, they realized God had already been there. They're always playing catch up with God. I want you to know this morning, you're only playing catch up with God. You're not ahead of God. And I know we talk about, oh, running ahead of God. Listen, God and his sovereign will. People talk of a permissive will and you run ahead. That's another theological study or debate. Either you're in God's will or you're not, as far as I'm concerned. But when we do go to the side or... Uh, go astray, God and his sovereignty draws us back to his will and you'll find we're always playing catch up. God is always ahead of us, always in front of us, always in our tomorrow. In fact, before we even get to next week, he's already there. And he's already moving people and places and things and and working uh, to, to create a path for us to walk on that we'll enter into the blessing, that we'll enter into what he has for us. God is already there. He's there for you and he's waiting for you to walk with him. To walk according to his plan and purpose. Here's the thing about this. These people in the book of Hebrews by faith, by faith, by faith and so on. They did great things and wonderful feats but not on their own strength but through God. And when you read about them in their individual stories they've done great things that they could do on their own. But yet trusting in God they did. Hebrews 11 and verse 34 says, Out of weakness... Were made strong, it says. That they were out of weakness, they were made strong, waxed valiantly in fight. In other words, God gave them strength, God gave them courage, God gave them ability. The unction of the Holy Ghost drove them on. So, as Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 says, It's not by might or by power, by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, What I do want to look at just for a few minutes is I want to look at small things and contemptible things and how God has used them in the past. We might do one more Sunday in this. We'll see how we get on. 
But if I can show you one or two of these and what God sees when he sees those who are trusting in him. What you see may be different. That's why we need to start thinking, praying, trusting, walking, moving and believing in faith in the spiritual sphere of things in the spiritual realm. I talked to Alison about a few things that I felt God was showing me. And then strange after I was talking to Gary Anderson a while after that and he came out with the same things. I don't know how many people see these things but he just talked to me about it and I thought that's what I'm seeing. We need to see past in the spiritual realm. We need to see that there's more that be for us than against us. We need to realize that God is doing things and things may look quaky and shaky and all these sort of things. But God is already working. And we must trust and obey. As the hymn writer says, for there's no other way. So here we have a few small things. Let me finish or start with this here. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 4. The man full of wisdom, Solomon, given by God. In other words, this is, this is a Holy Ghost gift. Gift of wisdom. And notice what he says. For to him that is joined to all living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. I'm going to read it again. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 4. For to him that is joined to all living there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. See the word dog here, it's the word kelef. And it means, gives the idea of something that is contemptible. It gives the idea of something that is abased or an abasement of something. It actually was used, the word kelev means a pagan sacrifice, what God thought of that. It also was used for male cult homosexual prostitutes. Now, a living dog is better than a dead lion. It means here, even if you were in one of those cults, I need you to listen carefully to this. But even if you were in one of those cults then, thinking, I'm not saying anyone here was, but in those days, so how and where, how low were we, how deep were we, and where has God brought us from? It means the lowest of the low can be rescued by grace. The lowest of the low can be rescued by grace. Sovereign grace. The deepest died sinner can be forgiven of their sin. Cleansed in the blood. No matter who you are. When you receive Christ, you're forgiven. And here the idea is a living dog is better than a dead lion. Someone who has breath in their lungs. In other words, for, for to him that is joined to all living. While you have breath in your lungs. The unsaved who have not come to saving faith in Christ. In other words, there is hope because they're alive. 
There is hope because they're breathing. There is hope because they're living. There's hope because they're joined still to this world's uh, uh, life system, if you want. And there's hope for no matter who you are in the deepest died sinner. To come to Christ and be born again, rescued, saved, blood washed, forgiven, justified, made righteous in the sight of God. So in other words, no matter how deep that sin is, God can forgive it and make you his child. Now here's the other thing. Gives the idea also that while you're living, you may feel like the dog that people have kicked by lying on the street in the sun as they're walking by. Let me share something with you. And I used to think this was only me. Because I wouldn't, when I was in the world, I used to be the party animal. And no one knew how I was really feeling inside. So those who put the bravado on and the big lifestyle on, and those who put the big smile on, they're always hiding something in their heart. They're always feeling different. And those who think, well, I don't, I, I, I love my party lifestyle and I don't need to know the gospel. And you feel they're putting the gospel down, you can always speak the word, for that's what's rescued me when God came and spoke. Inside, I was depressed to the point of suicide. And I remember many times, after being fueled up in alcohol and drugs, many times, sitting for a couple of days in a shabine, and in party houses. And leaving many times on a Sunday, walking toward a friend's maybe to stay or wherever I was going. At. And I remember sitting Sunday morning watching Christians driving up the road going to church. And I used to wish, why can I not be like that? But then I thought, but I just want to be like that, but I don't want to give up the world. And remember, on quite a few occasions, you'd walk up, maybe an old dog lying in the street, sleeping her. And I remember stopping on a couple of occasions and thinking, looking at the dog and saying, oh, you're okay. You have no worries. You get fed. You just lie there all day in the sun and enjoy yourself. That's how my brain had become. That's how my spirit was. I was envying the very dog. Now, that might sound strange to many of you, but you see when you're in deep despair, even that which is left, that is termed as contemptible. Now, I have a dog and we're dog lovers, but you know the sense in our English language we, we mean by that. And I remember envying the dog. I wish... I could even be like you. Now that's the truth before our Saviour this morning. And it wasn't until I was saved and away down the line, another pastor got up to give his testimony one time and he says, I remember looking at a dog and saying, I wish I could be like you. So you're not on your own. And there's many who need rescue. The thing about it is this. 
a living dog has hope. No matter how low you feel, you're still better as you sit. You're still greater as you are than a dead lion. It's dead. It has no hope. You know the king of the jungle? You know the great and mighty beast? The powerful one that, that walks with a majestic stroll around the wilderness and you know that animal where everybody reveres as being great when it's dead a little dog that's contemptible and despised in God's eyes he says there's hope and you're greater than that lion my brother sister let me apply this to you this morning whatever way you're thinking however low you're feeling and I'm not speaking low to you. I'm speaking health over you. I'm telling you this to lift you up, not to keep you where you are. No matter how you're thinking, feeling, whatever it is, you are not like that. You may see yourself like that. That's not who you are in Christ. That's not who you are. It's a lie from the devil. You're greater than that. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God and joint heir with Christ. You can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible tells us that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And you can do what many other believers do. Bringing it to God in prayer. And you'll be mighty through God to the putting down of strongholds. So, as we said, the old hymn writer said, little as much when God is in it. I'll finish with this and we'll wrap it up and we'll do a third week because there's some small things that you'll go, wow, look what God done with that. This is our final one. Exodus chapter 4, we have the Lord before, coming and calling Moses and yeah you can turn to it just for a brief time then if you wish Exodus chapter 4 let's turn to it I was just going to mention in the sea of time let's turn to it and Moses answered and said but behold they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee and the Lord said unto him what is in thine hand and he said a rod And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses fled before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. Here is a little thing God uses to do and accomplish great things with. He uses Moses. And it's the the faith of Moses acting according to the word of God, believing in the promise of God and what God says God means, and he means what he says. And he's saying, what's in your hand, Moses? Well, I've got nothing but this old stick. How could I go to the Israelites in Egypt? How could I go to the Pharaoh who wants to lop off my head the first chance he gets and execute me? And how can I go with this one wee stick and say, let the Lord's people go that that they may serve him and worship him. And How am I meant to do this, Lord? 
Who's going to believe me that God Almighty has appeared? And you start speaking spiritual things. It surprises you how many Christians don't believe it. It surprises you how many Christians can't see it, can't accept it, and they throw it out. It surprises you when you say, here's what the Lord says, here's the word of God, here's the promise of the Lord, now let's walk in it. And they'll say, I don't believe you. Instead of trying it, I mean trying not as in trying to see what happens. I'm talking about testing as in trying it. The Lord's word will always come to pass when he speaks it. And here's the thing. He says, what's in thine hand, Moses? A rod. Stick. Simple, lifeless stick. Throws it in the ground, becomes a serpent, takes it again by the tail, becomes a rod. See that rod when the Lord says, what's in thine hand? That rod was the rod which smote the water and it became rivers of blood. Do it, Moses. Lord, are you serious? And this is going to turn into blood? Trust me. Just do as I tell you. Trust me. It also became a plague of frogs when he done it. It was also that which he hit the dust and it became lice. Or mosquitoes or different terms for it. Lord, are you serious that I'm going to do this again? It's going to be lice. It was the same rod that he, he pointed toward heaven and great hail fell from the skies. Moses, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I remember one time, I think I told you this before, it was early morning and I went down, over the, down towards the bridge and the wee cut off part at the bridge down to the river. Stand down the river, it was early morning and I found a big stick and I was just walking up the side of the river with it. And the river was quite high and flowing quite fast. And I was just standing overlooking the river. And there's nobody around and I'm praying. And I, I got carried away, you know, with a stick in your hand. And I raised my hands up when I'm praying. With a stick in my hand. Next thing I heard, a voice saying, Hey, are you all right? Do you think you're Moses? <laughs> it was Tracy, Tracy Commons. He was banging me in. Do you remember that, Tracy? Early in the morning. Thought I was Moses with a stick. <laughs> and my hand, my hands raised praying. Thought there was no one around at this time in the morning. Now I would never have had a shock if I had raised that stick up and the water has stopped and separated. <laughs> or turned to blood. <laughs> or millions and billions of frogs jumped out. Can you imagine the Lord saying, Moses, touch it. Do you see it turn red? Lord, Really? Just do as I tell you. Believe me. Trust me. And all of this, trust me. Touch it again, it'll come frogs will, will come out in their trillions. Now go to the earth and touch it and see the dust, as it were, turn to lights. No, no, Moses, lift your rod up to heaven. What's in your hand this morning? What have you got? What strength have you? What is there that you're holding this morning that God can use for his honor and his glory? All you need to do is trust, believe, have faith and reach out and God will accomplish the rest. Point it to the heavens, Moses. You know what God was doing? He was building his faith every time. Building his faith. And he'll came. It's that rod which was in Moses' hands where the locusts came. 
It was that rod that he smites the Red Sea or points over the Red Sea and it separates and Israel go across and dry land. Two to three million of them. That's the exact same rod. And you know what they call that rod later in God's word? The rod in the hand of Moses? No, they called it the rod of God. The rod of God. Believer, what's in your hand this morning? Not a lot. Would it count as much as a dry stick? <laughs> Let me tell you what's in your hand this morning. In your hand, i.e. on your person, within your capability, is the power of heaven. Is the power of heaven. You might not feel it. You might not think it. You might not understand it. Join the club. You have the power of heaven. How do I? Within you resides God Almighty Himself, the Holy Spirit. You see, you might be little. You might even be a human being, a speck of dust yourself on the whole of planet Earth. And the planet Earth is a speck of dust in the whole of the universe. And, and so on and so on. But little is much when God is in it. You're not little this morning. Little is much when God is in it. So, God willing, we'll do our last part next Sunday morning. You're going to look at different things like that, which God has used A rod of Moses becomes the rod of God. And you know, you're the body of Christ. It might be your flesh and blood and your bone, but that body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God bless us this morning. Before we go home,